You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 220. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And today we're talking about project culture and how it hits the bottom line. In today's world, we are experiencing more and more leadership conversations around culture. However, the separation between culture and productivity is still profound. How do we find a balance between cultural norms interpreting others' intentions versus cultural differences, and building positive relationships in the workplace that benefit the organization's bottom line? That's the question we're tackling today in this episode. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by... Hey there, Impact Driver. If you like what you've heard so far, don't forget to register for this year's Impact Summit. The free virtual event is taking place in September. However, we are getting the party started early and we have new training being released every week, prizes and all kinds of other goodies taking place right now. We're covering topics just like this one that we're talking about today in this episode. So don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to connect with thousands of PMO, strategy and delivery leaders all for free. Just go to impactsummit.global. That's impactsummit.global and register for free today. And by the way, come say hi to me in the mobile app. See you there. Okay, let's dive in. Today is all about project culture and how it hits the bottom line. And as impact drivers, what do you need to know and do to help ensure that your culture is working with you instead of against you to make an impact? Now with me today for this conversation is Amanda Oakenfold my dear friend, and a co-host at the Impact Summit. Amanda is an experienced executive, and her career has developed with a specialization in strategic delivery and recovery, advisory and consulting services. Predominantly known for delivering large-scale complex programs, she has also been engaged as a trusted advisor and has brought her deep expertise to her skill following generations as a professional mentor within the Australian Institute of Project Management. Amanda now leads the Hybrid Cloud Transformation Service and leads the Complex Program Management Practice for IBM. And if you haven't figured it out from that intro, she is just a world-class rock star. And I cannot wait to share all of her insight with you today in this episode, because what she's talking about is real-world practical, and exactly what you need to stop blaming the culture and ensuring that your project culture is supporting that bottom line. Amanda, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Laura. It's awesome to talk to you about this. I think it's a really, really important topic that is overlooked. Absolutely. So I think we should just dive right into it because I'm really curious to get your insights on why it seems like so many projects are failing and challenged and everyone seems to be blaming the culture and we're not getting the results we need to. So is it okay if we just start diving right in? Yeah, absolutely. I think to put it in context for people, if you have someone who's coming to work every day and they're down, they're not enjoying their project, they feel under pressure. The projects we talk about is when you're applying a lot of control into a project, 
command and control. And that manifests itself with individuals feeling the pressure, feeling that they're not good enough. And how that translates is they'll probably take more breaks. They'll alleviate their pain through having to probably have a bit more downtime. So if you think about a day's worth of work effort, people who are feeling or are in that place would probably do, I'll be extreme in the example, maybe an hour's worth of productive work in that eight to 10 hour time frame that they'd be needing to progress the project activity. Now, wow. if you can flip the culture, if you can have people leaping out of bed, let's go right, right to the opposite extreme. They jump out of bed in the morning and they're like high-fiving people to get to work. They're really enjoying their day. Their productivity increase for, for that day can sometimes pop the hours expectation. So if we're looking at an eight-hour day, they could actually be so productive and doing multiple things. They're really engaged, really leaning into delivery. You could be looking at a good eight to 10 hour productivity out of. So if we look at duration and that same time frame, how culture impacts our bottom line, if you put it in that perspective, is really obvious. But it's something we don't talk about. We look at duration. We look at our time constraints. We look at dependencies. We manage risk. Where are we starting to manage our culture to allow these projects to be brought in? Well, an impactful way. Impactful for the people, but impactful for the business with outcomes that are really like the quality goes up of what you're doing. Yeah. I wanted to start having those conversations about as PMO leaders, as delivery drivers, as we sort of look at how we're managing our project, actually start the conversation out loud. How are you managing your culture from your PMO? Yes, you can lean on corporate culture. Let's leave it with the CEO to set the tone. But That's not leadership. We as leaders can change that. I think that the PMO has a really big opportunity to impact so much more of the business and the productivity of his business, even outside the projects that we're actually talking about as well, mm-hmm. and really impact your business. So that's kind of where I was sort of my head's at in starting this conversation. Well, that's such a good starting point. And I think this is so in alignment with what we talk about on the podcast and what we teach in our programs at PMO strategies, because it's the role of the PMO or any other strategy delivery or transformation function is so much bigger than the project execution space. It's all about the people and supporting the entire strategy delivery life cycle and ensuring that projects are set up for success, that the people on those projects are set up for success. And yes, that they're delivered well, but that's a means to get to an end, an outcome, a business result. And what we really need to make sure that people understand is a part of making sure that this whole life cycle is working well is enabling people to get their best work done. And I just, like, I felt a pit in my stomach when you said an hour of productivity a day because culture is destroying their productivity. That makes me sick. I mean, oh my gosh, how are we getting anything done? And imagine imagine a world where we could flip that. Imagine what we could accomplish. And yet so many people are just focused on their templates and their tools and their process and their stuff. And they're not thinking about the people, which are the enablers of that change. Right. 
and letting go of that control. It's really interesting to see when a project goes into a dire state, it starts to turn and we're losing. You can actually see you starting to lose money, hemorrhage money. You start getting pressure from the CFO because it's like, what's happening? We're spending all that. We're not getting the outputs. And the response being command and control. Often at that point, we should actually do the opposite. You need to empower your staff and mm. empower the project staff. I liken it to riding a racehorse to the finish line. You've done all the hard work. You get to the point you're flying towards that finish line. So you've done all, you've set up all your design. You've gone through a build phase. We're starting to see some troubles, but you're headed to that finish line. At that point, often people will increase their governance, increase their reporting. Suddenly someone comes over and says, you need weekly reports. You're starting to increase the workload on a lot of people who are now working on reporting rather than working on the activities they need to do. That's one thing. So you're starting to see the pressure come down on people. The culture starts to completely decline. And on that, the other thing, you start boiling the frog when you've got that incremental, you start reporting in such a small incremental stages that you don't actually see the change. Right. You don't actually see it because you're measuring last week to this week where you should probably be measuring two weeks apart. And you can see it right in front of your eyes. But what we should actually be doing is not totally letting go of the reins, but sitting back in the saddle and allowing the horse to stretch out and take us to that finish line. Mm. The person who pulls the reins in does not win the race. So that translates itself into how that manifests in that cultural response. If you actually let that horse do its thing, empower the project staff, empower them to perform, and build that culture around to enable them to perform, they will take the project to the finish line. But we never think about it that way. The response is often more times using Pareto, probably 80% response will be to employ command and control. And it just kills us. And I suppose we should come out of this with some tips and tricks on on how to move culture. And that will depend on the business that you're in. Uh, certainly, I know for me, working on one of our, I, I can say where we had an absolute ball. And I think you're speaking, we will be speaking with Jenny Pittman. So a big shout out to her for being the awesome PMO leader she is. We were working Endeavor Energy at the time, an absolutely fabulous business. And she really embraced the aspect of culture. We had lollies in the office. We had a guy that would come into the office and felt absolutely free and he's on his lunchtime to play his guitar and they had everyone joining in at our desks singing along. It really gives uplifting, really uplifting. It brought cohesion, it brought teaming and it was an amazing job Jenny did to bring this program of work. We had an amazing implementation. Mm -hmm. People are still friends today and that's a really good indicator of work hard, play hard, enjoy your work, cohesiveness, and how she was able to lead that across an entire organization. That's a really good thing for you all to cover when you do the interview for the summit. So just to catch everybody up, Jenny Pittman is one of the speakers at the Impact Summit this year, and she is a member of the Impact Accelerator Mastermind Program and has been for a long time. She's applied the Impact Engine System in multiple organizations. So she's been around for a while in this group and we're highlighting a few of the fabulous senior folks that have been through the Impact Accelerator Mastermind, the Impact Engine System Program to just share their lessons learned and 
the success stories they've had and what they think the keys are to their success. And since Amanda is one of our co-hosts and happens to know Jenny, what a perfect match. So just catching everybody up to speed, make sure you are registered for the Impact Summit because it is free and that is gonna be a session you do not want to miss. I wanna go back to something you're talking about here, Amanda, and make it really clear for people to see what happens when you do that command and control. Because as you were talking about all this, I was thinking, wow, so what happens is you're on a project or program and things are not going well. And so instead of the every other week meeting, you now have a meeting every hour, like every day for an hour. And you have much more detailed reporting and you're like, you're actually adding so much more administration to the plate. So instead Mm -hmm. of having to spend an hour updating a status report every other week, and then another hour in a meeting, listening to everyone else give long exhaustive status when you could be working on your stuff. Now it's even worse. Now they have Mm -hmm. to do it every day, for example, or multiple times a week. And now you've just tanked the productivity. So imagine across a team of, let's just say even 10 people that are now all doing that extra reporting work and that are all doing that extra sitting in more meetings every day work. And then we wonder why work doesn't get done. So I mean, that, I just want to make it really clear for people how doing that, I, I think of it as a vice grip, like that's what I was yeah, imagining yeah, when you were yeah. talking about this, this vice grip on people, that's going to decrease the productivity for the whole project and make things slow down even more. You're right. That is the go-to for most people is yep. more command, more control, as opposed to how might we make it easier for people to get their work done. And when you r- release the reins, you actually help them feel freedom to do the things they're supposed to be doing. Increased trust. Yeah. Because what it comes down to, if you apply command and control over the top, what you're saying is I don't trust you. I brought you into this program to do an amazing job. But when times get tough, oh, I don't trust you. I want to know what you're doing. Our micromanagement increases. That lack of trust, it's like any relationship. Then it becomes toxic over time. What we really need to do is have a look at ourselves. Like as leadership, we're sitting there reporting back to a steering committee or a board, and we need to be that umbrella over our team that says, you know what? My team doesn't need to have your command and control. They're good at what they do. Yes, we've come across some hurdles. It probably is not a singular point of failure. There's a lot of inputs into why projects can come across some speed bumps. But what we will do is not change the cadence. I'm a strong believer in fortnightly reporting purely because often what we find is by the time you start prepping for the report, it's the (laughs) day after you've read the first report. So why I say that is people send the reports out, say, on Thursday because they've got a meeting on Friday. That means that you're actually statusing to the following Friday, even though you're pulling the data on the following, on the next Wednesday, which means everybody's statusing on the Tuesday, you only had the meeting on the Friday. So that (laughs) means you've got Monday off and then you're starting your reporting again. Of course you're boiling the frog. Nobody's seen the status change. The incremental change is so small. And then you're sending that report up to an executive who, who compares it to last week and says, well, what are you guys doing down there? Because right, nothing happened. Right. Change. And then that increases their fear. It increases the worry. It increases. Uh, and then again, you reapply. And it's this self-perpetuating problem. 
Well, mm-hmm. you need to push back and say, you know what? We're going to go every two weeks. So we've got a week to actually do stuff. Right. Before we start reporting on it. Yeah. Before we start reporting on it. And that little tips and tricks like that, when you actually push back on the executive and say, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to explain to you why we're not communicating to you in the manner that you want to. If you want to come down, I invite a lot of the executive down and sit there and say, sit in our running agile and you're doing scrums. Well, sit in our scrums and listen. If you want to come down, walk down the floor and actually talk to the people and see what's happening. If you really want a status update, that's going to be more iterative way then we invite you down to the project room and you can look at our walls and you can see where we're running but we're not Mm -hmm. going I'm not overloading that workload because as you overload the person it's exponential the pressure that gets pushed down and we've really got to stop that that's a good way to recover programs quite frankly yeah and I want to come back to that in a second what I want to make sure people picked up on because it was really important here was the executive's view and saying, well, nothing really happened since the last time I got this report, their Mm. perspective there is a really important one because you're doing them so close together. It starts to create this anxiety that nothing happened Mm -hmm. as opposed to checking in a little bit less frequently. So people have time to focus and get work done, but that's an important perspective. People forget they got to have an update, but what is that update really telling them? Nothing because you just gave them an update on last week's data and you haven't had time to do anything because that was a Friday to a Monday. Right? So I think it's really important that we manage expectations of our leaders Mm -hmm. and help them understand the impact of all the extra reporting and governance. You need to right size it so that people can get work done. I think that's a really important point. Yeah. Particularly if you're on those longer programs of work, say they take two years, weekly reporting over a two-year process is ridiculous. If you're running a six-week project, yeah. Right. And it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. You should see real movement in a week. Yeah. But right. over a long, if you've got, say, a really large SAP implementation and you're doing those big programs, yeah, weekly boiling the frog is the only analogy that it plays out so well. And it does increase it actually by communicating in that manner. It is fear that drives, you're actually creating fear above you. Mm-hmm. rather than giving those safe hands like I got this we got this yeah. as a delivery team because you're not understanding that how you are communicating up to your mm-hmm. leadership is actually creating the anxiety that drives the requirement for control and it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy and then of course you get staff turnover and then you've got all the other complications that go with that right so stop it <laughs> stop <laughs> there it you go. Well, and this is very real world, right? Like we have clients from time to time where I spend my time with the executives and they're saying, I don't know what's going on. I'm not getting the right information. I'm not getting the updates. So they start pushing more and more. And then before you know it, they're micromanaging the whole process when they shouldn't be. But the right information does need to get up. That's the other part of this. If you're PMO leader, strategy delivery leader, you should be communicating more than just, I've got this. Here's what we're doing. Here's the impact of that. We'll let you know when we need something from you. It's a five minute conversation or a 30 second conversation. If it's really just a, I've got this and here's what we're doing. But a lot of times people get so busy doing the work that they don't give any updates. And then the absence of information is what causes the fear. And that's when the clamp starts coming down. You do not want your executives micromanaging your business, right? Because that's bad on so many levels. It's bad for them. It's bad for you. It's a hot mess. So we have to make sure that we are giving the right level of communication, 
but that doesn't mean you pull 60 people into a daily or weekly status meeting. Do not have meetings about status. Send information yeah. and get back to work because you've just wasted. If everybody was getting paid $100 an hour times 60, how much money did you just waste oh, having yes. a single meeting? <laughs> well, this is all oh. a bottom line discussion here, right? So I want to get to the bottom line and make sure we're clear here that yeah. that's a lot of wasted time and money. And that's why things are moving so slow. But I also want to go back to what you're saying about recovering programs and projects, yeah. right? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about one way to do it, but are, do you have any other tips on, let's say the culture is already a mess. How do you fix it? How do you like, I'm already in this situation, Amanda, what do I do? Well, there's four key priorities. I think that's the best way to articulate it. Leadership, yeah. governance, yeah. communication, and tooling. And you do it in that order. A lot of people come in and the tangible thing is tooling. So right. they jump on your tooling. If you fix your tooling without fixing leadership, your governance, and when I say governance, this just doesn't mean applying a project manager. That's not governance. Right. Right. Governance is the decision-making process that you go through to govern your projects slash business. So fix your leadership. Have a look at the leadership. Is it right-sized? Have you got the right people in the right roles? the personalities and the seniority and the ticket to the table to make the decisions they need to make? Mm -hmm. Is the governance are the right people in the room to make the decision? And not everybody. It's not decision right. by committee because we've all got our own opinions. So fix your governance. Then comes your communication, which includes your reporting. So are you communicating the right things at the right time in the right way and completely explaining the situation that you're in and the help you need to get to where you need to be? And then yep. after that, you start combating the tooling that you're using. So all of our, I call it our project management toolkit, your yep. risks, your issues, your dependencies, your scheduling. Have we got all of our tools that are required? Are you running a Trello board, your JIRA options? So then start looking at the tooling you're using because all of that communication, if we bounce the ball down and then back up again, are you using the tooling to feed your communication because your manage, the tools by which you manage your project should be the place that you get all your information directly so that if you need to change a status, you change the tooling, then you report on it. You go through your communication channels where you've got your messaging and your themes to your executive ensure that your themes are consistent, that they're strong, and you are fully knowledgeable about what you're trying to execute and what you are saying. And then you go back up to your leadership and ensure and feedback from them. Have right. you understood what I've said? Are there any concerns that I can deal with in the moment? So you are protecting your team from that micromanagement. So that's the strongest framework I can provide to ensure that you recover in a strong way and in a quick way. That was just incredible. And I can absolutely see, because it's very much in alignment with how we teach things in the impact engine system, right? I mean, I mean obviously, because there is there is a right way to do this stuff, people, right? Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> and so I love this because is the order matters. It's leadership, then governance, then communication, then tools. And in toolkit could be your templates, tools, process, it's all that stuff, yeah. right? And it doesn't, yeah. it's not just tech. It's all the oh. enablers of, the right communication, getting to the right people so that the right people are making those decisions and so that they can lead the change. And I yes. love that down and back up again. It makes perfect sense to me. I love it. So all right, Impact Drivers, you have very tangible next steps that you can take these key attributes in this order to ensure that you can get your project culture on the right track if it's off track 
And if you're just starting something new, go through this process immediately to consider how you are going to enable faster throughput, as our friend Mike Hannon always talks about, faster throughput, higher impact outcomes, greater return on investment by putting these four levers in place. And if it's bad now, you can use these to get you back on track quickly. But I think it's super important when you said, Amanda, that it's got to be done in the right order. You cannot start with the tools. That's what so many people do. It's the templates, the tools, and the process, and the stuff. And that's why they struggle. And that's why we say that's the last thing we let people look at inside the impact engine system. First, figure out all the pain points you need to address, get to the root causes, and find the right services to deliver on that. And it starts with governance. It's the very first thing we have them do, assuming you have the right leaders at the table. So I think this is fabulous. I'm really excited for this very simple, but very important step-by-step process people can follow. Yep. And it will impact your program delivery. Absolutely. I mean, this isn't just about culture, really. This is like everybody should be doing this. Yeah. And if you do it right, you will have a really positive, productive culture on your teams. Yeah. Yeah. Apply that leadership. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. All right, Amanda, thank you so much for sharing this with everyone today. Before we go, I just want to ask you to just talk a little bit about what you're most excited about at the Impact Summit this year as a co-host. You are getting to do some really cool interviews, including the one with Jenny we already talked about. Can you just share a little bit about what you're excited about with the summit and with these conversations you're going to be leading? Why I love the summit so much, honestly, is it is real life feedback and tips and tricks on how to make our delivery as PMO leaders, as delivery leaders, just so much more impactful. I can't even think of another word that best describes it. When we're delivering, we make a massive change to our businesses, a massive. Those projects you're managing, they really are catalysts for making the business better and making the world a better place. Where we sit is in PMO in particular, has a broad impact across the business and really impacts people's every day. So those tips and tricks that we pick up in these discussions really have a profound effect on where most of us spend the majority of our working week and our week quite yeah. frankly so Burn, it, yeah it, that's why I find it so I'm so passionate about ensuring that I'm involved I think we do make the world a better place person by person that's Talk right that's right one project at a time baby uh, <laughs> thank you Amanda so much for being here it's such an honor to share the podcast and share you with the world with all these impact drivers from all over the world We have a truly global audience that is listening to this podcast, as I've found as I've been traveling all over Europe and the Middle East and other places where I'm finding out people really are getting a lot from it. So I'm so honored to share you with all these impact drivers around the world. Cannot wait for the summit this year. We are almost there. And thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much, Laura. This is awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, impact driver, you heard it here. You've got a good four-step process to build a strong culture in your programs and projects and with your PMO and strategy delivery teams. I cannot wait to hear how you are helping to elevate the impact in your organization. Bye-bye for now.